Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, uh, episode nine of uh, the Iowa Agronomy Update, and uh, happy to have you back. And, and apologize, we're a week later than than what we typically like to be. Uh, it's been it's been a couple weeks. We uh, had our last podcast right before the Fourth of July, and and uh, I guess the summer's just catching up with us. And and uh, today uh, we're going to uh, invite a new a new member uh, to the podcast, and today. Uh, we've got George, uh, George Cattermas with us. Hey, George, how are you? I'm doing well. Hey, great. George, so uh, give us an idea for our listeners of uh, the area that you cover and, and uh, what you do for uh, DeKalb Asgro. Okay, I'm a technical agronomist for the Southeast Iowa sales team on the eastern side. So I basically go from Dubuque, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, Fairfield, or a uh, Mount Pleasant, then jump over to Fairfield and Ottumwa and everything to the Missouri border and the Mississippi River there. So Southeast yeah. Iowa. Yeah. So the, yeah, the, the Eastern half of Southeast Iowa, basically. So, yeah. So, Hey, and you, the listeners, you may, uh, you may recognize George. Uh, George is the, uh, popular co-host of the uh, video series on the Endros. So you can check that out on the uh, DeKalb Asgrove Facebook site as well. So a good, a good uh, video series there with Scott Johnson you guys do that uh, is always uh, informational there as well. So, hey, George, we, uh, we kind of wanted to jump in and talk about uh, how the summer uh, is progressing uh, in your part of the world. We, um, we're, we're cranking through the summer re- really, really fast. And, and so uh, you're, you're kind of in that, that geography that, uh, is probably widely variable. A variable has kind of been the, the theme of the uh, podcast this season. Uh, you're probably in the, the drier part uh, of the state. And so we just kind of wanted to walk through just some of the general things that we're seeing uh, as far as insects, uh, maybe uh, some of the thresholds, uh, what we should be doing, what we should be scouting uh, this time of year as uh, as it seems like you guys have been drier for, for most of the year, uh, whereas Mother Nature's just starting to uh, turn the faucet off in other parts of the state. So some uh, hopefully some of these scouting tips will be uh, relevant uh, at other parts of the state as we as we start to dry out. And so I was thinking we'd start with soybeans first. How's that sound, George? Sounds fine to Good. me. So, hey, uh, you know, as as we dry out, we trying to tend to stress, uh, get some stress into those plants. It's usually when we when we start to see a lot of insect pressure on on our crops. What what um, what's been prevalent in, in your part of the world, if anything, or, or maybe what's sneaking in or what should be watching for here in the, in the next couple of weeks if it stays dry? Well, when you get to the extreme southern Iowa area where they're actually showing up on the national drought map and they're very dry, they are finding some spider mites out there. 
you know, spider mites like hot, dry weather, and they typically are coming in from the uh, field margins or on the outside of the field, and they'll be round, oval-shaped areas that the the beans are turning uh, kind of a yellow to a brown color, and there might be some webbing on there. Um, I guess as far as having a threshold for treatment on those, uh, we usually look at uh, 20 to 25% discoloration before pod set and 15% discoloration after pod set because they'll, uh, they'll really compete with the plant for filling the pods. Yeah. Uh, there are some guys are going to be able to get by with just spot spraying along the, along the perimeter of the field if they catch it before it moves into the entire field. So, George, you, you mentioned the discoloration there uh, so as a, as a key thing. But once you, once you see that discoloration, what's the, what's the best trick to determine that it's spider mites that's causing that, that problem? Probably to take a white piece of paper out there with you and put it underneath and then shake a plant, see what falls on the, on the sheet of paper. They'll probably be about the size of a grain of pepper and some of them will be moving across the paper yeah. so that's how i normally do it yeah and I, yeah that's usually the tip and trick that i i've always kind of relied on it's basically once you see once you see the little grains of pepper moving across the across the, uh, your piece of paper that's usually a, a good sign that's that's what you got going on especially if you've got the discoloration already and uh and then you can kind of kind of monitor, you know, what the, what the spider mites are as even in the uh, margin field margins. And as you move into the middle of the field, uh, I'm guessing you're going to start to determine whether you're going to spot spray or, or do a full spray on top of that. So. Yeah. What about uh, soybean aphids, George? This is usually something that uh, tends to like a, a, not a lot of heat, but mediocre Mediocre temperatures and dry conditions. What uh, what have you seen out of that? We have not really found any yet. There are guys along the northern part of the area that I cover that are looking, but we had so much weather in the last uh, few weeks that has been way above normal. A lot of days in the nineties, and I think that's probably part of the reason why we haven't seen much from aphids. But we're keeping an eye on them. Uh, but one thing that we are running into from an insect standpoint is we have quite a few Japanese beetle over here. Uh, we've got a real hot Lynn Johnson County area that they've been here for several years. And uh, it, I've got a lot of guys that are, uh, they're not at because threshold for Japanese beetle would be 20% defoliation. Uh, and there aren't very many fields that are that bad, but if somebody's out there spraying a fungicide anyway, they're throwing in a, throwing in an insecticide to take care of the beetles. Yeah. Is, is there any certain, uh, insecticide that you want to focus on for that control or not? Well, the, there's a lot of things that will work on it, but if you're, if they're in a dry area that has a potential for spider mites coming in. You don't want to be using uh, a synthetic pyrethroid because that'll kill the beneficial insects that uh, go after the spider mites. So it can cause the spider mites to get a hold a lot easier. 
Yeah. Good points there, George. It's something to definitely, uh, definitely want to watch out there for as far as uh, keeping those beneficials around as well. Uh, so we've talked spider mites, uh, Japanese beetles, uh, maybe watch out for some uh, aphids. Uh, have you seen much grasshoppers yet in, the, in those drier counties yet? Typically you start to see them in your field borders. What, uh, what's going on there? I have started to see some in a couple of places that I've been in. I guess I think it's time the guys start watching their, uh, their field margins and the waterways. Uh, you know, if you see many of them, you might be able to go out and spray the waterways and keep them, get them before they move into the field because they're going to, they're going to start in the waterways. Yeah. Yeah. Your ditches and, and your, your ed border edges and things like that and move in. So, yeah. So, so basically you've got, uh, three, three insects you're watching out for. And, and if it cools off here, uh, this weekend, maybe some aphids that'll creep in in the North as well. So, yeah. uh, a, a number of things there, uh, from, from a soybean, uh, health perspective, George, where, where generally are the soybeans at, uh, as far as staging and any disease pressure on top of that? Okay. We, we got uh, fairly early planning done here. So we've got most of our beans are probably in the R4 stage. A few of the later planted ones would be would still be R3, but uh, we've actually been able to find some full pods on the lower part of plants in places that have, we've even found some four bean pods uh, developing out there. Uh, so from a standpoint of the development of the plant, things are pretty, have gone pretty well. They look, overall, they look pretty healthy. Uh, we do need to keep getting rains uh, to make sure they keep growing, but ours are nice height and they're canopying the rows, so uh, things look good from that standpoint. We've still got some fungicide going on. Uh, mainly, if you look out in the soybean fields, we do have places that you can find septoria brown spot coming up into the mid canopy of the plant. A lot of the we haven't had a lot of rain, but we're getting heavy dew and high humidity, and that's enough mm. for some of those fungal diseases to grow. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> those are good points there on on the growth stages there, George. As far as you know, we've we've done everything we can up to this point, but if Mother Nature doesn't help us out in August, uh, that it tends to be when we make or break a soybean crop anyway. So, yeah. What, uh, with, uh, with the deflation in, in the market there, George, what, um, ha has there been a lot of high yield management decisions change, uh, mid season, uh, the, a lot of the fungicide and insecticide, uh, obviously an insecticide, you want to watch thresholds, but, uh, did did a majority of the fungicides still go on as planned, or did markets play into that as well? I think the market probably did play into it some, but yet guys have been going out there and scouting, and with what we're seeing with with some of the Septoria brown spot, and then down south we've seen uh, seen a little more frog eye leaf spot than normal, and actually uh, there's another uh, fungal disease. Uh, Philistica leaf spot that uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, 
but you can't really tell the difference between that and frog eye unless you put it under a magnifying, uh, under magnification. It's got a little different way of uh, developing on there. And the only reason that I found out about that is we just sent some samples into the lab for the heck of it. I was sure that it was frog eye. Well, it had both on there. So, mm. um, but yeah, we're, we do have places with the humidity that's been there. There's enough disease that guys are going ahead and spraying them then. Uh, Cause we've had uh, pretty high take on, on spraying fungicides in the past and guys are trying to get away from it, but yet they're going out there. If they see a problem, they're going ahead, even with the prices the way they are. Yeah, that, that's good to hear that we're, we're still getting uh, a good chunk of that, uh, keeping it healthy here. If, if Mother Nature does give us a drink here in the next uh, few days, we should should set up fine. So uh, good to hear on the beans, George. So uh, let's transition back to corn. Uh, so, man, this corn crop's moving right along. Uh, we, you know, we talked uh, GDU accumulation here uh, a couple a couple episodes ago. And so uh, I guess may, maybe we'll start there, George. So uh, kind of stage of the crop, uh, where, where's the corn look like, pollin- how did pollination handle, and then what are some expectations uh, for, uh, for that corn as, as fast as we've gone through the, the reproductive stages? Uh, we got started planting fairly early because the, the weather and soil conditions were good. Uh, not as early as some years. It was it was mostly around the 20th to the 23rd of April that guys got started planting. But I think most of our corn was in by the end of the first week of May. So you look at the fact that we're about three to 400 growing degree units ahead. Our corn is uh, pretty much all tasseled and the majority of it is in the, in the R3 stage or the milk stage well into the milk stage. We don't have much that's still in blister unless it was late planted corn. So things are looking very good out there. Uh, pollination went well. We're, we're set up to have uh, some very good yield potential. We just gotta keep getting rain. We don't have enough moisture in the soil to finish this off. Uh, the other thing that I would say that is pretty evident with the uh, with the date that we tasseled and how far we are along in development, uh, unless it cools down an awful lot, we're probably gonna have corn that's uh, a fair amount of corn that's black layering right at the beginning of September. Yeah, <clears throat> something that uh, something that isn't uh, uncommon. We've, we've seen it in the past, uh, but when you think about that, George, as far as early September and you get to, you know, 28, 30% corn right after, let's say, Labor Day. Um, you know, what, what are the risks there as we still got uh, a, a lot of heat, a lot of, a lot of environmental conditions there as, we're, as we can easily go from 28 to 30% corn to, to uh, you know, fairly dry corn awful fast, and then we start to worry about some harvest conditions. What, the, what are your thoughts there as we move into September? Well, the things that we're going to have to keep watching here, especially if we stay on the dry side like we have been, that corn plant's only alive for one reason, and that's to reproduce. And if it starts running out of water, it's going to sacrifice its stock. 
and put everything into the grain. And that's going to be a problem with standability if that happens. You know, if everything develops normally and black layers normally, the stock should be fairly strong. But yet you look at it, too, that if things mature early, dry down is from black layer until it's a harvest, uh, a harvest moisture. Uh, so I guess I tell guys, if we have an early year, get the dryers ready and start harvesting stuff when it's uh, getting down to the mid-20s because it probably won't take any more gas than what it would to dry corn that's 19% when the daily high doesn't get above 50. Sure. So. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, too, as, as far as getting that, getting that crop and, and getting, getting it in the mid to early 20s. That, that's, a, that's, that's a good, a good tip there. It's something that we, we tend to get some, some folks that, that like to let her dry down into the, the mid to late teens, and, and then by that time it, you get behind and, and can't get there in time. So something, something to watch for there uh, as we move past Labor Day for sure. I think it's also going to be a year where it really shows for us the benefit of having a, a wider maturity spread to have early corn to start on, but still have the standability that you get with the later corn compared to the early corn for later harvest. Yeah. And then on those later, on those later products, are we going to see, are, are, we probably should see a decent, yield bump in those later products the longer that we kept them alive and longer we kept the the kernel um grain fill going um you, you would think that i mean are, are we going to see that pan out this year or, or what are your thoughts i i think it will it has actually for the last two years it's it's shown that uh the mid to full season products have had a a big yield boost over the early products for the area and I think this year we're going to see the same thing just because of when it was planted and those early products are going to finish long before the full season. They'll still be filling grain if we get late rains. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, <clears throat> with this, with this fast maturing corn crop, George, what, um, what are some uh, insects, diseases that you've seen kind of emerge or uh, anything that's shown up here recently or not? Well, the, uh, the biggest disease that we're seeing out there is probably gray leaf spot. And it really has been interesting how much it exploded in areas over the last 10 days because there have been a lot of fields that guys have gone in and they've looked and they go back seven or eight days later and they're just amazed at how much the disease grew. And they're also asking about the, the ratings on the plants and, and that's where we've got to make sure that they understand that uh, there's no gene resistance for gray leaf spot and it's going to be on everything. We rate our corn as according to its... Uh, its tolerance level and how hard it holds off the disease. And most of what we sell that's on the very good end is uh, our four ratings and we've got a lot of fives. And with the pressure that we've got this year, uh, I think a lot of the fives even really benefit from a, from a fungicide application. Yeah, so that's, that's a great point, George, as far as being able to 
you know, know, know what products, know, know your past history uh, on the farm. And, and, and unfortunately, we probably made that fungicide decision, you know, couple weeks back and now and now it's really starting to explode so uh, there's a fine line there of of making that decision and not knowing what the future holds yeah there the majority of it is probably done towards the north there's still some going on uh most of what's being sprayed right now is on beans uh we really didn't see much else for uh you know we didn't see much northern corn leaf blight there's still some out there, but uh, not to the level that we've seen the last few years. And I guess we're watching uh, the ones that always seem to show up too late to try to scout. Three, four would be anthracnose leaf spot blight and uh, southern rust. Hmm. And kind of wondering how these Gulf air currents go and the humidity and the heat that we've got, if we might not have some rust blow up this year, it's something we're yeah. going to watch for. Yeah. We, we, we saw that big push of Southern rust last year come in, I know in the, this part of the world. So I'd be curious to see if it happens again this year or not. So other than George- that in corn, uh, I guess other than that in corn, the biggest thing that we're seeing is, all the rootworm beetles that are emerging right now, you know, they're not going to do much harm as far as uh, pollination is long over. So they're not going to harm this year's crop. But boy, we're uh, we're looking at how many beetles are out there and anticipating what we could have next year for for rootworm pressure. Yeah. So get, give us a few tips there, George. So if you're, if you're seeing some, some beetles or adults emerge in, in your corn crop uh, and you want to go back to corn uh, in that farm the following year, what, uh, what's a threshold? When, you, when should you pull the trigger on, on spraying for those adults or what, uh, what are some tips there? Well, I think the, uh, the recommendation is when you're finding about two to three per plant. And, you know, there, it's pretty easy to find that in some areas we've seen heavier than that. Not seeing the extremely heavy levels that we saw where, where we saw as many as 20 per plant. But we're, we're seeing uh, places that there, there's five plant in some places. And we have had some guys go out there with a beetle bomb uh, where they want to go to corn again next year. And especially if they were doing a fungicide, they just threw the insecticide in there uh, because the beetle bomb could be very effective in lowering that pressure. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> good tip there. If, especially if you're thinking about going back to corn, any, uh, any extended diapause in, in your parts of the world, or are we just the lucky ones on the Western side of the state that have to deal with that? Uh, most of the extended diapause that we've got here in uh, southeast Iowa is actually to the west of me, more towards central Iowa. And Scott uh, Johnson's part of the part of the uh, team, and uh, we're watching for it. But we probably are trying to keep an eye too on whether we have any western variant that comes across the river. Yeah. So we're watching both ways but we've been fortunate so far that uh that we've never had too much problem in first year corn in my area yeah but i know that it's all around us to the north and to the west so 
we've got to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I've heard heard some reports from up north of some some heavy pressure uh, coming out of first year corn. So uh, something to to be watching there. A number of sticky traps uh, that that have uh, been been fairly full of, of adults, and so uh, a good way to check adults there uh, uh, with uh, traps uh, as well. So yeah. George, hey, so we got a couple more minutes here. Is there um, any any last thoughts or any any specific products that you want to kind of give a little uh, shout out to or anything that uh, so far that you got high hopes for coming into harvest or or not? Well, I guess uh, some of the some of them that we're watching very close would be, of course, the DKC sixty four, thirty four, and thirty five. Um, that. 114 day disease shield uh that's a big product for our our area uh dkc 6220 uh double pro 112 day looks very good um we have a lot of there's a lot of uh even dkc 6069 an old one along with the newer uh, 110 day DKC 6087 and 88. Uh, the 8788 has better stocks late in the season. The 69 has it's a drought guard hybrid and it's uh, it's just been a good workhorse for us and been very consistent in yields. But the guys know that that's one we pretty much have told them you gotta spray with a fungicide. Uh, just to help out its its stocks late yeah. in the season. On the early side, we're looking at that new fifty eight thirty four thirty five. That's that's one we're keeping a real strong eye on over here. And I don't get too much. We'll get a little hundred and four hundred and five, but we basically kick in in my area at hundred eight. Sure. Uh, yeah, that uh, that hundred eight day product is is starting to. Uh, be brought up more and more around the state so it it fits a a number of geographies and we're we're starting to hear it mentioned quite a bit so anxious anxious to see some of that and uh and and you mentioned there uh the uh the 110 day uh drought guard uh workhorse product i tell you what if there if there's an environment that 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 fits uh you i think you're you're that you're you're definitely the drought guard and you're definitely uh a workhorse uh, type environment this year. So a lot of tough, tough conditions, but uh, glad to hear things are progressing well and still got good potential out there, George. Yeah, we're getting real excited about looking at our new bean lineup too. We have a a lot of new beans in the Lake Group 2s that we're looking at. Uh, And so kind of getting to a point where we can look at the plant height differences and some of the growth habit differences that's getting uh something that we'll be watching closer from now till harvest yeah uh, do, do you get into many of the mid-group threes or a 36x6 type product down south oh yeah yeah when you get to my southern territories uh their number one being for the southern two uh DSMs I work with will be 36x6 and they'll sell some uh, 37 37s and some 38 39 but their big chunk is there in the uh, 36 and then they'll start with a 29 down there Uh, so 
but their number one seller is 3666. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a big product for us ac- across that uh, mid group three range into Illinois, especially. So, yeah. Yeah. And you get up here in the northern part where uh, the guys are really watching 28X9, uh, which is going to be big for us, but it may not be so big when you get to central Iowa because it's got a weakness on uh, iron chlorosis and we don't have the high pH soils, but it's got the SGS and everything else that we need, the phytophthora, Hmm. uh, brown stem rot. So it's, it's one we're watching real close, but there's, we've got a two, five, a two, six, two, eight, two, nine, and a 3.0 that we're, we could potentially be selling a fair amount of all of those. Good. Well, good, George. Hey, George, thank you so much for coming on today, giving us a, a great uh, agronomic update here for Iowa. And, and, and thanks to everybody for listening in. Glad, to, uh, like I said, sorry we're a week behind here, but we're just uh, trying to get caught up. And, and hopefully we'll uh, catch you back here in August. And if you got any questions you want answered, uh, feel free to hit us up on, on Facebook or Twitter and send in your questions and use hashtag uh, Iowa Agronomy Update. and we'll, uh, we'll get them answered. So thanks again, George, and hope to hear you back again soon. Okay, thanks. You bet. Have a good day. Bye.